Hey, Jordan here. Quick note about this episode with my friend John Bates. We were talking as if my TEDx talk was already going to be given. I was going to give this talk on March 21st of 2020, and obviously with the whole quarantining slash lockdown slash virus, you know, that did not end up happening. And that's okay. But I just wanted to give you the heads up here. And the talk has been postponed to likely end of August or beginning of September. So fingers crossed that happens then. And uh, if not, it'll happen another time. And I'm looking forward to it greatly. Enjoy this episode with my friend John Bates. Today on Growth Mindset University. The ancient Greeks figured out, and they probably stole it from somebody else, this secret that all the latest Hollywood movies have been using called In Medias Rest, start in the middle things. And you're listening to Growth Mindset University, educating tomorrow's leaders with lessons from today's entrepreneurial elite. It's a progressive new age of business we find ourselves in, and we'll help you find the success you seek by listening to today's industry professionals and thought leaders teach us the lessons we should have learned in school but didn't. Now, please welcome your host, Jordan Paris. I, oh, oh, big news. Um, yeah. It seems like I don't have 12 minutes anymore. I have 16. <laughs> oh my, well. Yeah. So I recorded it. I just read reading through it, uh-huh. you know, best I could, like with inflection and everything. Yeah. Uh, 19 minutes, 43 seconds. So Okay, so that's uh, perfect. That's good. perfect. Because here's what that's going to mean you need to do. You, So you basically get the chance to say every freaking thing you want to say, and mm-hmm. you still have to go through and give a little bit of thought to being more succinct yeah. And is there anything that really doesn't have to be in there so you can get down to 16 minutes? And that's that's really good. It's like it's like you know, maple syrup. You got to just boil it and boil it and boil it and boil it. And when you go from 19 20 minutes to 16, I promise you it will just be even better. Oh yeah, for sure. I've like I've made no cuts at this point. So, but 20 to 12 would have been would have been a lot. Yeah. Oh, that would have been but hard. Still, it's still good. I worked with a guy who went from 18 to four. And do you want to know how tight that freaking four minutes was? There what was, was it on? Wasted. It was on how, and this was in 2009. So it was kind of ahead of the conversation. It was becoming obvious, but people weren't as clear about it yet. As the price of distribution for something goes towards zero, the price of that thing goes towards zero. And mp3s just destroyed the music business how it used to be is the rolling stones would come out with a new album and the album was really expensive actually about the same to get the album as it was to get a ticket to their concert and what they would do is go do one night in every city just to promote the album some people would go to the get to go to the concert really cheaply and everybody else would buy the record pretty expensively Hmm. Then MP3s, distribution, internet, boom, you know, and it, and it switched to now the album is essentially free. Like, you know, essentially. Yeah. 
And the, 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 uh, concerts are super expensive, right? Right. Because people have switched from paying for the product to paying for the experience. Madonna did the 360 deal where, you know, it was all about the t-shirts and the tickets and the every, you know, like everything. It used to be that you would just put out a record, do one quick tour and freaking make tons of money and not have to work at it. Right. Now people have to show up. So what Prince did a while, right around then, put an output, gave everybody a copy of his CD, his brand new CD release. Everybody in London got one of those with their newspaper. And then he did night after night, after night, after night, after night, after night, after night of concerts in London, sold them all out at just ridiculously high ticket prices. And it's just a complete flip-flop. It was a very interesting speech. Yeah. Pretty interesting, this right? Is, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the analogies, too. You know, because you, 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 I, I know you've, uh, I mean, you've sent me like Grateful Dead before. I know you appreciate music. Yeah. And, and, and so do I. Uh, yeah, good. You know, I, I think I, I think ninety nine point nine percent of people my age don't know the Grateful Dead. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't ring a bell, but for me, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah you're right, like, so. oh, hey, you knew him. Yeah, no, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't necessarily expect that. Yeah. I do love that particular song though. Just that don't. Mm. <laughs> or actually, no. It's it's um. As I was walking down Grosvenor Square. Yeah, yeah. It's just got that groovy beat and like him. Just have you really paid any attention to the words? Um, I probably should more. Yeah, go read the words to that song. Ah, read the lyrics. Friggin' fabulous. I, and I love reading the lyrics. Dimension. Me too. Yeah. It, it sometimes with even my favorite songs, it'll take me like two, three years to get to the lyrics. And I'm like, why didn't I yeah. do this like earlier? Yeah. I didn't even know like this one part. That's what you know he or she was saying. And and now like I'm, it's like a revelation. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll check out the lyrics. I find I think I like songs because of the lyrics, even when I don't think I understand them because I think I subconsciously understood them. And then I go read them. I'm like, oh, that's so good. You know, I'm like, yeah, oh, man, that's yeah, why yeah. I liked it. You know? Yeah. Well, this is great content, man. I'm I'm keeping this in, and now now I'm gonna introduce it. <laughs> People have been wondering who this guy is. Are we rolling? <laughs> We're rolling. Roll. I love rolling starts. I've been doing that a lot lately. But my guest today is John Bates. John is a leadership communication expert based in human evolutionary biology and neurophysiology. John's principles of leadership, communication, and influence show you not only what works but why it works making them easy to apply to your technique and style so you can be even more effective at everything you do that involves communicating with human beings, which is just about everything. John, or at least the best things in life, do involve communicating with human beings. Yes. John, he trains and coaches forward-thinking leaders at global organizations like Johnson & Johnson, NASA, including all the active astronauts, Accenture, Boston Scientific, and more. He is one of the most prolific TED format trainers in the world, bringing powerful executive presence, storytelling, influence, and Jedi-like persuasion skills to top teams, world leaders, entrepreneurs, scientists, and those on the light side of the force who want to have a lasting, memorable impact and effortlessly influence those around them, which I just so happen to be included in there. John is my leadership communication slash speaking coach for my upcoming TED Talk, which I will have given by the time 
this episode is out. John, first book, uh, the Your Amazing Itty Bitty Guide to Being Ted Worthy is a number one bestseller and continues to garner five-star reviews. You can get that on Amazon. You can also visit John at executivespeakingsuccess.com. And John, I actually, so the book that you sent me here, Ted Worthy Leader, I only yes. realized this about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I, I couldn't find it on Amazon. Why is it not? Yeah. What, where is it? Is it only for me or what? Yeah, I wrote it just for you. I had one, <laughs> you know, printed up and nice dust jacket and everything. You know, yeah. I self-published this because I wanted to keep it short and a publisher would have wanted me to make it twice as long and still say just as much, you know, like I, I, I get very frustrated by that. I wanted it to be really quick. I only wanted to have in there what I needed to have in there to communicate what I want to communicate. And so I just self-published it and I just haven't gotten it up on Amazon yet. I plan to, um, I will also probably have a link from my website here pretty soon where you can basically get it for shipping and handling. And, uh, and so, you know, that's when it'll be available. And the itty bitty guide is, is, uh, you know, that's kind of like, uh, it's not exactly cliff notes. I think they're a good companion pair, but the itty bitty guide is, uh, is pretty cool to have next to your desk when you're doing speeches. Cause you can just flip through and it's 15 essential secrets. And if you do all of them, your talk will be awesome. <laughs> so. uh, uh, yeah. I have, to, I have to get that one before my talk. You also have a, uh, and, and I'm coaching up on this and I'm working with you on this. You also have a podcast coming out. Have we in the last week or two finally decided on a name or, or, or are we still working on that? You know, I think we're still working. I think kind of the going, the going thing is leadership is a function of communication, but that's kind of long. So right. I think yeah, we're trying yeah, to find something. Well, regardless of what it is, uh, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that by the time this episode is out in April, I mean, you'll, the podcast will be up, it'll have a name, it'll have many uh, It'll have some several episodes. episodes. Yep, yes, so, that's right. So I'm going to put it in the show notes. You go to jordanparis.com, hit the search icon in the top right of the website, look up John Bates, and uh, and it'll come right up. You know, click the page, and uh, and the link will be somewhere on that page. So John, before you were a leadership communication coach, like who who were you? What, what were you doing? Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, I pinch myself when I hear what I do come out of my mouth, you know, I, like I totally pinch myself and I think people don't know why. And the reason that I pinch myself so hard with just so much gratitude is because for my whole life, I was an entrepreneur and I was involved in the internet space. And I was always either a founder or a co-founder or a super early stage employee I was super gung-ho and I had millions of dollars of useless stock that never got liquid. I never had a successful exit. I had probably twenty to $50,000 of personal debt. And, you know, I raised several hundred million dollars with my various teams in Silicon Valley and beyond for the various companies that we had, but I never had a successful exit. Um, and, uh, you know, so you know, I was just trying so hard and I just never quite 
made it, you know, had some cool things and, you know, made some dumb mistakes, learned a whole bunch. Um, but that, you know, that was my whole life, 50 grand in debt, millions of dollars of use. Was any of that student loan debt or? or? (laughs) No, none of that was student loan Uh debt, thankfully. uh (laughs) I I was, uh, I went to college back when it was less competitive and I got fabulous, um, you know, scholarships and grants and uh, you took out hardly any student loan debt. That was all, you know, trying to keep myself alive debt while I was working for way too little money and putting all my bets on the stock options becoming liquid, which never happened. But then um, all that dried up and I just didn't know what I was going to do. And I was, I mean, I remember I'd just gotten married to Sharon and she's the coolest person I've ever met in my life. I love her beyond words and I wanted to give her a great life. And then even that not working for working for not, not enough money and useless options that dried up. (laughs) And all of a sudden I was crying so hard, you know, boogers were coming out and I just didn't know what I was going to do. And what, 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 where, where is this on the, on the timeline of your life? This this was about 10 years ago. So it was right around 2009, 10. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. A lot of, yeah. A lot of people going through similar things at that time. Oh dude, of course. Yes. You know, and actually, I guess it was about 2010. It really, I, I was felt like I was on the end of that whip crack. Like most of it had already happened. And then I was on the very tip and it went and just tossed me off. And, um, and I had always, I've always been the guy with the soft skills and I was always jealous of the people with the hard skills, the finance guys and the engineers and the PhDs and all that. And, uh, so I would, you know, but I still did some stuff in my life, but everybody that I worked with called what I did fluffy, <laughs> you know? So I think I undervalued what I had and overvalued that a little bit maybe, and just went around trying to prove I was valuable. I felt like I wasn't valuable and it was awkward. And then in 2009, in the, in the, you know, right before everything dried up for me, I went to the TED conference and Mm -hmm. I was blown away by the quality of those speeches and by the power of public speaking. And so I came back and I got really involved in the TED and TEDx community. And I was at one of the first TEDx events that ever happened, TEDx Santa Monica. My friends were running it. I was volunteering. And we had this guy who had all the hard skills in the world, a super interesting topic. He was the guy I was looking forward to seeing the most. But when he got up on stage, he was so nervous and awkward that everybody in the audience felt like we were going to throw up because he was so nervous and awkward that stuff is really infectious oh mirror 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 neurons like you teach yeah yeah that's right i mean so we were all mirroring him and just just want to crawl out of my skin you know and i remember first thought was genuine just deep sadness because i'd seen Mm. that so much in my life these people who have so much to offer who are so brilliant who have these, you know, degrees and understandings and specialties, but they can't close the gap between their mouth and someone else's ears. And so I was just super sad. And I was just thinking what, you know, how much does the world miss out on because of this? And then, then right after that, the evil part of me kicked in and I was like, ha 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 ha. He can't do it. Hard skills guys blowing it. Right. And as I'm indulging that part of my, of my mind quietly to myself, my buddy walked over, Michael Weiss, and he said, dude, we got to do something to help people like this. 
And it was really a moment for me. The clouds parted and the angels sang. And I, I was like, if I just got over myself for five freaking minutes, I could completely make a difference for that guy. If I stopped honoring the chip on my shoulder and I started honoring the people around me. So I, that was the moment I went home and I started working on what I now deliver all over the world, the astronauts, Navy special operations, all that stuff is why I pinch myself <laughs> because that moment, what I got is if I wanted to make a difference for that guy, I needed to base everything I was going to do about leadership and communication and all of that. I needed to base it in science so I could land it for him, you know, and anybody else like him. And so what I now do is all based in human evolutionary biology and human neurophysiology, which I had a, a strong interest in before, but everything's based in that. So I can show people not only what works, but also why it works based in science. And the really cool thing is that the people I work with are super, super smart. The principles that I deliver are super obvious in hindsight. So I get these really smart people who easily apply these principles and they go do brilliant stuff that makes me look mm -hmm. like I'm just <laughs> magic, but it's because they're so smart and these things are so obvious in hindsight. So in that, hindsight, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. that's what changed my life that, that moment. Sure. Yeah. And, you identify the, you know, the problem at the TED conference, it sounds like, and, yep. you know, solution. Uh, which is, you know, everything, you know, that you, you teach people that we are going to talk about a lot today. We talk about the solution and, and building a, a great talk and being Ted worthy. Yeah. So I, I'm excited for that. And, you know, Jordan, one, one final little, mm -hmm. one final point for this whole thing is that for my whole life, I had 50 grand, 20 grand, 30 grand, whatever in debt. And I was really focused on making money as an entrepreneur, right? Will this make money? Will this make money? Will people pay for this? And I had heard provide value and you'll make money. Right. I never really got it. When I finally decided to do this, it was in the face of a lot of people telling me, I'll never make money at this. You know, you'll never make money. That's a stupid idea. Don't do that. Oh, coaches are a dime a dozen, blah, blah, blah. You know, and there's some truth to that, but I did it anyway, because I saw the value that I was providing when I did this for people. I worked with a lot of people at, like, I worked with the whole uh, group at TEDx AFC soon after that moment and coached every speaker there and really saw the difference I made. And so I did this anyway, in the face of thinking it wasn't going to make me money. And for the first two years, I went even further in debt. But by year three, I made more than I ever made in my whole life. Then I doubled that plus, then I tripled that mm -hmm. plus, and it's kind of been on that path since. And so when I was super focused solely on making money, I had debt. The minute I shifted the focus just a little bit to providing Fine. value, I made money. And it wasn't fast or overnight, but it was sustainable and real. It's almost like the harder you try, the worse you do. In some ways, for sure. In some ways, right? yes. Some, Just some. freaking relax. And, you know, going with the flow takes a lot more mental energy than most people think. Going with the flow is not a purely passive experience. It takes a lot of intentionality and presence. And you got to really scramble for a minute and then relax again, you know? 
Hey, by the way, I'm really glad you uh, you circled back to that because I did realize as soon as I started speaking a couple of minutes ago, you were about to say something else, and I was like, ah, it's too, yeah, it's too late to stop. So I'm glad I'm glad you did end up circling back and tying that whole story together, John. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're super uh, welcome. Having the courage to do that, you know, even though I spoke yeah. over you, so, so I appreciate. No, you it. didn't. Don't worry. About <laughs> well, uh, you know, so uh, so astronauts, like, you know, wh- I, what is there to like teach them about leadership? communication like what what's the whole big thing there <laughs> yeah it's How's a really that good that's a great question because you know and listen that question could have stopped me from even showing up there right like oh. I, i'm like what do i possibly have to teach these people you know but can you even talk in space <laughs> i mean like I, you, you gotta have like a radio or something that's yeah a <laughs> radio and if you're if you're all on the space station together you're in a you know thing but in space, no one can hear you scream. That's for sure. Right. Um, mm. Unless you have a radio and they are, they're listening on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, um, well, you know, I, I, oh, there was a woman that I met several years ago and she wanted me to come in and, and work with people at NASA because she said, look, if we can't make what we do exciting, we don't deserve to be doing it. And I thought that was a really a really smart self-reflective thing to say because it's you know to become an astronaut let's say or any of the people that do these very technical things at nasa you've got to just focus and get really good at the science and the math and all that stuff and so and i think that what we see modeled out there in the world what most people are doing when it comes to communicating is not only not what works best with human beings it's often 180 degrees the opposite of what works best what we see modeled is people not wanting to be vulnerable and people not wanting to share a mistake they made and people wanting to look good and you know people wanting to just jump right to the facts and all that and that just doesn't actually work with human beings. That's not the most effective way to lead and inspire and raise money and close deals and bring in partners. Like that doesn't work in any of that stuff. And NASA is one of the most inspiring, if not maybe for some people, the most inspiring organization on earth in, in a lot of ways. And I think it's great that their people would take that aspect of their job seriously enough to figure out how they can most powerfully communicate what they're doing. So that's what they brought me in to work with them on. And, um, you know, a, a lot of the astronauts, I mean, they're, they're to jump right to the astronauts, they're some of the nicest, coolest people I've ever met. Cause it's part of the vetting process. <laughs> you know, I can tell oh. you the story of the final test to become an astronaut. Um, so they're just some of the greatest, smartest, sweetest people in the world. And what's funny is they suffer from that thing. I think a lot of people suffer from after one of my trainings, before I actually got to work with all the astronauts, a couple of astronauts were in one of my trainings and they came up and they said, John, you know, that's really great. We love your stuff. It's really eye opening. It's awesome. Um, but you know, that stuff about telling our stories, well, you know, we don't want to talk about us because it's, it's not about us. It's about the taxpayers that make what we do possible. And I'm mm-hmm. like, 
okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, and they really <laughs> meant it, you know, it's very cute. And I said, okay, you know, I, you guys are right. And I get that. And here's the thing. It's not about you, but you're the ones that get to go up there and do that. And I don't, and I'm paying for it. And I want to know everything, especially if you were scared or if you screwed something up and learned a lesson, or if you had a perfect moment, or you had a deep insight, or or something really meaningful happened for you, I want to hear all of that stuff. And it's not about you. It's about me. So just tell your stories with the intention of sharing something and, and giving your listeners something and connecting with them and letting them have an insight into you. That's all we want. And it's not just from astronauts, it's from everybody. Can you have a great speech without a story? I mean, it's a, re- it's a good question. Uh, my, my knee-jerk reaction is no. Mm. Um, uh, you know, I haven't sat down and done the research, but I think that any really great speech is going to have is going to take you on some kind of a journey. It's one of the things Ted talks about, take us on a journey. And to me, that's, that's going to be some aspect of a story somehow. And, you know, Les Brown, who's brilliant says, never tell a story without a point. It's really good advice. And by the way, tell us the point you want us to get, because we might get a different point if you don't. So never tell a story without a point. Instead of assuming. Instead of assuming we'll figure out the point, which a lot of times smart people do that. They're like, well, the point's so obvious. I don't want to say it. I don't want to insult my eyes. No, no, no. We're in listening mode. Yeah. Well, it's just like bias that uh, I forget what this specific bias is called where, you know, the stuff that we know, we have a tendency to think that just because we know it, like that other people should know it too. There's a name for it, but I forget. Well, it's one reason why people have such a hard time valuing themselves in the market when they're a consultant or have an offering because we all think everybody else knows what we know and uh, don't. Uh, yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good point. I never thought about it like that. So make sure you tell us the point. So we get the point you want us to get. Sure. And then the flip side of his saying is, you know, never tell a story without a point and never make a point without a story. If you really want that point to land, the way you make sure that will happen is with a story. So any great speech that's trying to make a point, I think, needs to use story in some way or another. Yeah, I've been using, uh, you know, ever since you told me that quote, I've been, every now and then I use it in conversation, I don't even... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's a good quote. Man. Yeah, it's, it's a good quote for sure. You talk about using the present tense in in stories instead of the past tense. I think I, I think we all have a tendency to you know tell stories in the past tense when we're talking about it because it it's when it it, it did happen in the past. It, it happened yeah. in the past. So, what, but what is the power of using the present tense? Well. Let's try it. I'll I'll do an example okay, for you. Good. Um, there I was in Africa, and there were monkeys falling out of the trees around me. And then I saw a giraffe walk into a branch, and then I heard a lion roar. 
Okay, so, okay, there we go. Let's try it again. Present tense. Here I am in Africa and monkeys are falling out of the trees, quite actually falling out of the trees all around me. And then I see a giraffe walk smack dab into a big tree and almost fall over. And then I hear a lion roar. One of them happened in the past. One of them happened right now. I was more easy, apt, apt to follow the second version. Yeah. I actually kind of like by the, the end of uh, the first version of the story, I actually glanced at my next question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you caught it, but. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, I would expect it, right? Because, I mean, it happened in the past and we can't change what happened in the past. So, you know, it's already over and nothing's exciting about it. But the other thing that we can't help is when you're telling a story to me in present tense, I can't help but be there with you. Yes. In what's going on. Uh, it's mm. the same thing as, you know, on the radio, they would always say, you know, like, or, or you know, or the, the example of don't, you know, don't picture a little pink elephant dancing on your desk right now. Don't picture a little pink elephant. Okay. Well, only thing you can do is picture a little pink elephant. So when you hear a story in present tense, it makes it immediate like it's happening now for you, even though you intellectually know it's not. But you just can't help but be there in it. It's a yeah, great yeah. way to share a moment of insight that you had. If you can share that story in present tense, and as you lead up to your insight, if you kind of drop enough clues that they have the insight a second before you say it, ooh, now they feel like they have the insight and they're all bought in on it with you. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I want to get. So that's a great trick, you, you know, using that present sense. I want to get more of the to the good, uh, you know, to the to dos. But I want to I want to ask about the the not to dos. I don't know that I've ever really heard you talk about this before. Like, what's the worst speaking slash communication advice that that's that you hear is that 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 might be pretty popular even? Yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything okay, that comes so to the- mind? The first thing is that I don't think, I don't know that this is advice, but it's, it's peer pressure to do this because everybody does it, but it's, I think the worst thing you can possibly do. And here's what it is. Hi, thank you for having me. My name is John Bates. It's great to be here. What an honor. Oh, oh God. What an honor. (laughs) I'm so honored and humbled. (laughs) it's just you know when so what happens is people will say ladies and gentlemen please welcome john bates and then what do i do i walk out and i say hi i'm john bates thank you for having (laughs) me it's such an honor right (laughs) like and by the time i do that everybody in the audience knows how this is gonna go and they are all on their way to sleep just hoping that it's gonna be over soon yeah so I tell people, even though there's a lot of peer pressure to do that, because that's what everybody seems to do. That is like the worst thing you could do in my book. So instead of saying your name or thank you for having me, or it's such an honor or anything, come out, show that with your face, say, hi, I'm happy to be here. It's an honor. Show them with your face instead of saying it. And then out of your mouth, 
With like you could walk out and smile and look at yeah, everybody yeah, yeah, yeah. for a second and just oh, look right, like right, you're right. happy and honored to be there instead of saying it. And then out of your mouth, the first things out of your mouth, my question is, what are the, what is, what is one of the, what is the most interesting grabbing, you know, just wow thing that you could say, you know, you could start oh. with a personal story in present tense. You and could you, ask you, you like to, you like to start with the story in the middle sometimes, like, or at the most yeah. dramatic point. And that's an, that's a real art though. That's yeah. tough, but I, I want to talk about that, but what you were going to say, like, what are, what are some other really interesting things you could do? You were, you said story, you, you, then you, and then I cut you off. You were saying what? Yeah. Personal story is a great way to open. And you know, I've had people that I'm working with say, but you know, if we all open with a personal story, like, aren't they going to notice? Right. It's like, well, yeah, they'll notice and they'll think it was freaking awesome. It was way better than if you all start out. Hi, thank you for having me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So personal. By the story, way, that's that, that, that is like, you know, imagine for, for listeners of, of, of this podcast, if this is only your first episode, you'll even get this, uh, you know, in the beginning when, when the voice, when the, when the person says, and now here's your host, Jordan Paris, I never get on and say, hi, I'm Jordan Paris. <laughs> like, like that, like that would be so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm always, I always tease people when I do like, okay, so now do you know how you started? And they're like, um, how? And I'm like, well, did I mispronounce your name or something? And they're like, no. And I said, well, then why did you say your name again? Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. So, so other ways you know, to personal story, yeah. some really good questions like Simon Sinek's talk, you know, why was it that the Wright brothers invented powered human flight when every, there were other much better funded groups trying to do it? Why is Apple so different? Why Martin Luther King and not someone else? Okay, they're not questions that I ever thought to ask, but once he asked them in the opening of his talk, I wasn't going anywhere. I wanted to know. And oh, if he had wow. an insight, yeah, you now, know? now you're on the hook. You got to now you yeah. got to hear it. Oh, and that's look, great. That's the key. How can you open in a way that will get people to want mm. to hear what's coming next? Yeah. So, or not even question. want, but like need to hear. Need to. Yes. The, the loop needs to, I okay, I think the bottom line is open a loop here. Yeah. Yeah, that's and so a great that way something to that say. needs to be something that needs to be closed. Well, you open at some a loop point. that the audience wants you to needs you to close, yeah. which is why that whole thing of starting in the middle. It's the ancient Greek secret whose Latin name is in medias res, which means into the middle things. Now, what order? You know the answer. I think what in what order does life happen? Chronologically. Chronological, right? It can't help it. That's how life happens. It has to happen in chronological order. So what is the most boring order to tell any story in, do you think? Chronological. Because we're so used to it. Then that's what happens all day long. And yet Saturated that's how everybody stimuli. tells their story, right? Mm -hmm. Like starting at the beginning to the ending, this is how it happened. So the ancient Greeks figured out, and they probably stole it from somebody else, this secret that all the latest Hollywood movies have been using called in medias rest start in the middle things. Uh -huh. And okay. Ever since you, I learned that in your course, by the uh -huh. way, and I, and yeah, you're going to explain it more, hold that thought. But like, I've just been noticing in every freaking movie or documentary <laughs> that I watch, like it, every single one, it's, it's like this dramatic first scene. And then, and then it's and then it, some so like uh, what's it that that um, Ted Bundy movie? I don't know if you saw it with like I, Zac I haven't Efron. seen it. No, yeah, but really, um, 
first of all, yeah, just really sad, but like definitely yeah, so uh, sad. Def- definitely a well put together movie that literally the first scene yeah. was the last scene. And and they and they had it and then it got to the last scene of the movie and it's like damn you know like that's yeah. where that what uh you know yeah, right yeah so and it that was good. oh that is just the way to do it you know like the one I think is and I know I'm showing my age here but I think it was Terminator Two where there's a just a parking lot and it's nighttime and it's empty. And then all of a sudden there's this blue ball of light that's kind of flashing and twirling. And then all of a sudden there's Arnold Schwarzenegger down on like one knee and a fist and and he's naked and he stands up and he walks into the bar full of bikers and he walks up to the biggest guy who's his size and, and wearing all these leathers and everything. He says, give me your clothes. And the guy's like, what are you talking about? Right. And like, give me your clothes. And then the guy tries to hit him with a pool cue and then the whole bar attacks Arnold Schwarzenegger. He just d- drapes everybody all over the furniture, knocks them all out. And then he walks out of the bar, dressed in leather outfit, jumps on the nicest Harley and roars away. Okay. Like what just happened? Yeah. You know, so, and then you go back and you learn about what's happened. Right. Right. But so that, so I got another example though. So yeah. catch me if you can, have you seen that movie? Yeah, Leonardo yeah. DiCaprio yes. and, and, and uh, yeah, whatever. Uh, is it Tom Hanks? Yeah, it's Tom Hanks. And first scene is like Leo uh, or, or Frank, Frank Abagnale, um, who actually in, you know, in real life, he's awesome. I've heard him on podcasts yeah. before. Yeah, me too. He's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's cool. And, uh, and you hear, and, and it's like a scene with, you know, with him, like, like, like captured and like, you know, almost like dying, it, it, it seems like. And then, and then it gets, it gets to like uh, everything, how we got there. And then you see that scene again, like, late, like towards the end. And yeah. So exactly. Uh, yep. Yeah. So it's starting in one of those moments in the story, like the the moment when stuff is the most, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? And then not resolving what's going to happen and going back and telling us how we got there and then resolving it and telling us what goes on after the resolution and, mm-hmm. and all that. But that is a super effective technique. And like you said, you know, every movie ever you know, cause like a movie that was happening in chronological order, just would everybody get up and walk out, you know? Yeah. So I'd love why to see would an example. Do that uh, uh, there has to be one movie that like does. <laughs> it was, yeah, there is one. There's, I think there was a movie a while, a long time ago, somebody recorded like 29 minutes of silence. That was in chronological order, but, mm. um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's something that people do all the time when they're, doing public speeches and it just, it, it's not as good as it could yeah, be. Sure. So what is like, I, I want to talk about, um, you know, creating a great speech without suffering, you know, which yeah. uh, I know you have a whole, a whole process on it that, you know, that you coach your clients through, but, you know, I think this is something that everyone has to do at some point or another in in their life at least multiple times. What is like, what what what's the what's the first step, and how do you how do you build upon that? 
because I I was you know I was definitely suffering with the TED talk. <laughs> well, you know, I mean that, that you, I guess I should maybe change the name because there's going to be a little bit of suffering. Well, maybe I suffered. Suffering, I suffered but... until you told me what to do. Yeah, which was okay, that good. exercise. Well, that makes me super that glad. All, that, all, dude, that the, po- the post-it notes yeah. are a point of pride. That they're still <laughs> cool. all scattered all over my table. Because I like the the way they look there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. And, and look, that was some work, man. And and you know, there's. I don't think anybody's going to do a talk that means as much to them as this means to you for like a TED or a TEDx or any kind of forum like that. I don't think anybody that I know could pull that off without a little bit of pain and introspection and work. But I think suffering is when you think you shouldn't be in pain. Like you think something shouldn't be the way it is. And there's a lot of that. I think as people go through trying to get to the, to the root of what it is they really want to say when they're giving a talk about what means the most to them. So there is some pain. It doesn't have to be suffering, but I, you know, this, this technique that, that pulled you out of your suffering and and got you over this hump is another thing that in a lot of ways could be credited to Hollywood, at least by me, it's basically using, you know, yellow post-it notes, 3M post-it notes, because I like them best because they stick well, Um, Mm -hmm. but using those things to basically storyboard your talk. Now, the problem with saying storyboard, though, is that it makes it sound like it has to come out in some order. To, to begin the storyboarding process, you just write everything, one thing to a yellow sticky. Like, here's a point I want to make. Here's a story I want to tell. Here's a thought I had. Here's a quote. Here's a statistic, right? And you did this and you just put them all on yellow stickies and cover an entire wall with them. And now, I, for me, that's usually the first time when I really have some vague idea of what in the heck it was I wanted to say anyway. And now I look at all those stickies and I can pull out the key things from them and curate that big list of stickies into a smaller list of really important pieces and stories and points for that talk. And then once I've curated that that big mass into a smaller thing, I can start to think about what's going to be the most powerful order to lay this stuff out in you know, how can I, how can I unveil all of this in the most powerful, moving, memorable way? Yeah. I'm glad you used the word powerful, most powerful order, you know, not saying, because you know, we just talked about chronological order being boring. Maybe not the most powerful order. Yeah. <laughs> right. So what, when you think about that, when you think about what's going to be the powerful order to, to unveil this stuff in it really is like there's a big difference between not thinking about that at all and thinking about that even a little bit oh but in, in media res in medias res and and other no, things media's about the order in which you're gonna right. unveil stuff like once you get it all that's a huge step sure and a lot of the magic now can really happen in how am I going to reveal this? Right. You know? And, and I think once you've aligned them into the most powerful order, uh, I think there's like a couple of ways you can go here. You can, you know, sit with your computer 
in front of the wall there and start writing it out, you know, and, but using the, the notes as guides, or you can uh, just try to talk it out using those po- those post-it notes as guides. As like an and outline. Ma- yeah, and maybe even record it and get it transcribed with rev.com and then bam, you have a whole first draft. Yep. Now, I, I talked it out one night for the first time I, and that was going to be the, the way I went. You know, I'm going to get it transcribed by Rev. Yeah. And I did well and I didn't record it. Um, I, I did all right, but it took like 35 minutes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I would, I would let like 30 minutes, 30 seconds go by of silence, you know, just to like think about what I'm going to say next. Yeah. Which is fine. Uh, Cause no one's watching, you know, yeah. no one's watching. At that right? stage it's totally perfect. Right. And then the next morning I did it. I was like, wow, I did. I, I thought I did all right last night like imagine my second time going through it it's gonna be really it's gonna be like a lot better Uh and uh and it was horrible and it was painful (laughs) it was like you know because i've had so many ups and downs as you know through this process john and yeah i really appreciate you hanging in there and giving it your all yeah that you'd notice the ups and downs yeah good oh thanks for being there and uh and it was just another one of those times i felt so many times in the past few months were like oh i'm finally turning the corner yeah. And then bam. And I was like, gosh, not again. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Like I was oh, turning the corner for good this time. Yeah. Right. And uh it was, so it was just horrible. It was like I was like 50 minutes in and I was getting nowhere uh that, that next morning. And I was recording it and it was just horrible. And I said, you know, I, I'm I am going to write, I'm gonna get my computer and and do my best to write this out. And I for for about three Four days, uh, I did it, got 2,700 words down, 2,600 words down. Actually, it was 2,614, and then I added a few. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and, and bam, like I had it, and I, and I, I beat the deadline that TEDx, the, this event gave me by a couple of days. And when I thought, you know, they were like, oh, we'll extend it for you, like they were going to give me, like, I was like, no, that's not going to help me. You know, I got to get this done. Yeah. Uh, and the only reason I got it done was because this post a note exercise and then going from there. Yeah. So well, that makes so me that really help. Yeah. It makes me really glad. It was and clutch. Yeah. You know, good. Well, and, you know, it was like uh, a buzzer beater shot, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> right great. on. Boom. Yeah. And, and uh, that, you know, I, I really have come to think about this just so you know, cause like you have a lot of runway ahead of you, Jordan. And, um, I've come to think of it. Like for me, that process, what you went through, it's almost like there's just a bunch of stuff stuck in the pipes and you just have to push that stuff out. You just have to push all the stupid, dumb blind alleys, you know, crummy stuff dumb ideas, all that stuff has to come out to make way in the pipe for the good stuff to finally start to flow, you know? So I don't make myself wrong about that stuff anymore. Like the the way I did, I actually sit down, excuse me. And, and I try to just do the stupidest. I just, okay, what's the dumbest thing I could do? Let's do that first. Let's just get all the stupid stuff out and then finally, good stuff starts to come out. I'm like, oh, okay. Now we're starting to yeah. get somewhere. So once you like write it out, as far as preparing, do you are you a fan of memorizing it or just or using some sort of visual or cue uh, or like 
like memorizing it word for word or, or, or what? Like what, what are you most a proponent of? Well, I'll, uh, so I'll tell you what I think. This, this is a battle I'm having in my head right now. Okay. As I'm All right. Prepared. Okay. Yeah. So then this is for real. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, even more for real, even more immediate. Um, so a lot of the really great Ted talks were memorized word for word. I'm saying that as a wow. caveat up front. Okay. Now here's, so, wow. but, but those people had like a year to work oh, on that. Wow. And one of the hardest things about word for word is that it is, it is almost impossible without a lot of effort to write something word for word that sounds like you would say it. Right. And one of the worst disasters that I see over and over and over again is people getting up and giving well-written speeches. A well-written speech. The last time that worked was the Gettysburg Address. Mm. That was a well-written speech that got given out loud. What people want is to hear you say it like you would actually say it, not some clever turn of phrase that you would write in a blog post or a magazine, right? So memorizing it word for word runs into that problem. The other problem with memorizing it word for word is what I call the alphabet song problem. You know, sing the alphabet song from, you know, M, right? Uh, J, K, L, M, N, right? Like A, B, C, D, E, F, D. It's all stuck together like one thing. You can't jump into the middle and do the alphabet song very well. You have to at least go back to a phrase, if not just all the way to the beginning, to get the alphabet song. So if anything goes wrong with a word-for-word speech, it's very hard to recover. And it sounds like you're reading the speech because in some ways you kind of are because you've memorized it word for word as you read it and gave it, right? Yeah. So what do you think about, since I'm 42 days out as of this recording and let's, I mean, because this week, like within the next five days, I got to have whatever I need cut out, cut out to get to the, the 16 minutes and it's got to be relatively finalized. And then my plan is to start practice, practicing it two times per day. So what do you think? Great. Let's say 40 days, two times per day. Yep. Is that good enough? I think it is. What do you think? Yeah, I want I it to be. And here's what, I'm, here's, what I'm, here's what I would say. The first thing is, yes, let's get this thing down to that 60 minutes perfect how you want it. And let's just say for this exercise that it's written still and it's, but we we've, you know, trimmed it down. Now it's 16 minutes. It's really good. We like it. Okay. I personally would not memorize that. What I would do and what I've done this is what I've done a number of times. I'd have the word for word because for sometimes I just have to write it out word for word. Sometimes I don't, but sometimes I do. So if I have word for word, I have it here. Then I have a very Spartan, outline, if you know what I mean, like not, not full sentences, very little, as little as I can, but an outline that covers each, each major point I want to make. And I practice out loud looking at the outline. And if I have to, I'll look back at the word for word for a particular thing. And then after I've done that a few times, I'll let myself pull a couple of sentences over to the outline. If I really, really like something as it was said like I'll, a few sentences right. word for word, but mostly 
I'm I ditched the word for word and now I'm on just hmm. an outline. And bullets or bullets, just bullet point outline that I'm looking at that has no complete sentences except yeah. for one or two key things. And that's, and that's just, funny. I, cause I spoke with my, um, I spoke with my mom last night and, uh, and I, and I asked her like actually the same question. And she said, I think, you know, since this is what you're concerned about, you know, how, making it sound memorized, um, I think you should do exactly what you just said, John. Okay, good. But, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think that that's, you know, this is what I do and it's what I've seen really work well for people. And so if you, now here's the thing, you've got the outline, you've got a couple of turns of phrases, maybe not more than two or three, you know, sentences that you're going to try and do perfectly word for word. But now what happens is you start doing it out loud from that outline and you do it over and over. And pretty soon in a few three or four times, it's probably going to start coming out almost exactly word for word. Right. And now you do that twice a day for 40 days. That's 80 times. And it is going to be coming out essentially word for word. But the big difference is it won't be stuck together like the alphabet sure. song. It'll be coming out the same because that is actually... Once you get a few tries at it, that is actually how you would actually say it. Right. Which is exactly love what it. we want. That, right? That's what I'm going to do. And it should only take like 10 minutes maximum to like, you know, because I already wrote the whole damn thing. Like, I, you know, right. Yeah, just yeah. Just get, turn it into an important. outline. That's easy. Right, right. Got it. Okay. That's, that'll be yeah. easy then. And, and then give it from the outline. And then the next step, as you're giving it from the outline that whole bunch of times, is to start to either visualize or, or you know, whatever your technique would be, the flow of this thing. And notice the major beats, right? Maybe there's eight major beats. And maybe you could come up with a letter for each beat that, or a word for each beat. And then you have an acronym of eight letters or something, but some sort of ah. a technique like that, that's going to allow you to mentally check in and make sure you don't skip anything and you got them all and you, and, and look, sure. because logically it's going to make total sense where you go through this thing. If, and if you're clear on the logic of why you're doing what you're doing, then that whole thing will just hold together like a beautiful structure in your mind. And you'll just be able to go through this whole right. thing without notes, without worrying, without trying too hard. It'll just flow out by the time you get on stage. And here's the reason to do this. It's not logical. It's biological. But when you live with your talk, Jordan, doing it twice a day out loud, like it's the real thing every time, yeah. by the time you get on that stage, you will be the total absolute expert in your talk. You will have it so dialed. You won't even have to think about it and you can be completely present with the audience and you can be paying attention to people's faces and really, you know, just so much more headroom available versus worrying about what you're going to say next. And my, what's the order, you know, right. So because you've done it so much. And then when you come across like an expert like that in your talk, 
everybody just kind of attributes you expert status in everything because it's not logical, it's biological. <laughs> and that's just how it works. Yeah. I love this, man. I haven't even gotten to half my questions and we're approaching an hour. So what I'm going to do before I ask my final two short-ish questions, uh, you know, I'm going to go through a couple of these topics here and you're going to say yes or no. Are they in your amazing itty bitty guide to being Ted worthy or not? Okay. Okay. So let's see. Emotional credibility. Is it in the book? It underlines it, it's it's if you do everything in the itty bitty guide, ah, you'll have that. Okay. But I haven't unpacked it in that book at all. Right. Okay. Uh, bullets are for the enemy. Slides. How, like you know, constructing this power. Yeah, that's that. I deal with that in that a little bit. I talk about PowerPoint, okay. and you know, bullets are for the enemy. Don't make the audience the enemy. What about vocal speed, vocal tone? Um, that's in the online course. I, I think I do deal with that in the itty bitty guide too, very briefly. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, body language? A little bit. Yep. Okay. Uh, poetic license. I don't think I've talked about that in the itty bitty guide, but here's, but it's in the course. It's in the course. course. It's in the online course. And I just dub you now, all of you listening have your poetic license. So you don't have to tell the whole story. Yeah. 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 Use your poetic license. Uh huh. So let's see. Yeah. One of my, one of my final questions though, and this is, um, I'm really eager to hear the answer to this. How do you get the standing ovation? have everybody stand up and applaud because if they like elephants or something and then say, thank you very much. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I have seen people do that. Actually. Right. They'll do some sort of an exercise, have everybody stand up and clap for something unrelated and then say, thank you very much. That's and, great. Oh, yeah. that's great. So, um, <laughs> but you know, I, for me, I think that the, uh, so, okay, actually I got a great story for you for this. Oh, good. So the first thing is, to get a standing ovation, I think you need to just absolutely 100% put yourself on the line for the audience. If it is not about you, but it's about them. And if you're, if they're really clear that you are giving it all you've got and you mean it to be for them, that's just the most direct route to a standing ovation that I can think of. And here's another little teeny thing. Um, I, I do a thing called the, the, uh, the compliment experiment. Do you remember that? Oh, I love this. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, yeah. so let's, let's break that out real quick. And then I'm going to yeah. tell you a story let's about how it. that applies in speaking. So, so let's do the compliment experiment. Okay. Because. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I'm, I'm trained in this. I already know. Like I, I got okay. this. This will be good. So, um, <laughs> so, so there's this side of compliments that I don't think we think about enough. Right. And I want to illustrate it by doing the compliment experiment. So we're going to do this together and and you know how this goes, but you can, you'll, you'll, you'll play the part. So, um, all right. So raise your hand if you want to make a difference. Yeah. Okay. That's you. That's everybody listening. You know, everybody in their heart of hearts wants to make a difference. Now, I believe. And okay, now raise your hand if you're sometimes maybe just a little bit awkward when it comes to accepting a true, genuine compliment. I can be. 
Yeah. Or at least when I didn't know better. It used to be maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and look, it's not just you and it's not just American culture and it's not just Wisconsin culture and it's not just Slovakia culture. It's everywhere. Spanish. I say, thank you. I give you a compliment. You say de nada for nothing. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Because we get very uncomfortable as human beings taking compliments, right? And in French, de rien, slap it away, right? And then the other thing we do is, oh, Jordan, you look so great today. Oh, you look good too, John. Hot potato. I don't want it, right? So that's how compliments. And it's human. It is fundamental to being human to do that. Or you know what else? It's like, no, no, you know, yeah, like this whole thing. You look yeah. good today. No, yeah, right. <laughs> or, or no, sometimes the best. Here's the best. You look good today. Oh, shut up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, so okay. So there's, but so that's how we do it. But there's a side that I don't think we think about enough. So let's illustrate that, and we're going to do an experiment now, Jordan. So I'm going to ask you to give me a, a short, genuine compliment that you'd really like to land over here, and then I'm going to yeah, respond oh to you, right? And and we're going to see how that goes. <laughs> so put on your scientist hat, get out the petri dishes and everything, and here we go. Whenever you're ready, that short, genuine compliment, Jordan. <laughs> you look beautiful today. Oh, that is that genuine. <laughs> the voice maybe gave it away. Yeah, I think it did. I think it did. I mean, you know, I am in my Sunday finest, but yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Uh well, I like the color of your shirt. Oh psh, this old thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, what I said was invalid. So Okay, now you know. Notice, did that make you feel like I really appreciated it? Did that make no, you feel, no, right no, no, no. make you feel closer to me? No. Okay, so now let's do it again. It's an experiment. So, like, it never happened. You know, uh, sterilize the test tubes and the petri dishes and everything. And here we go. Same compliment. Same genuineness. Whenever you're ready, go ahead and give me that compliment. I like the color of your shirt, man. Thank you. Thank you. It's the only response a confident person can make when receiving a compliment. And think about it from the person who gives the compliments point of view. When I say, oh, this old thing or nah, or sure, you know, it's nothing. That is like knocking something that you care about enough to say into the dirt. Yeah, it's like negative reinforcement. It's just, it, and it's not a great experience for the person who gave you the compliment. But when they, if somebody gives you a genuine compliment and you look them in the eye and you smile and you say, thank you. First, they'll look at you kind of weird, like, where's mine? But then it's going to dawn on them that you just let their compliment in, which never happens. So here's what I was taught, Jordan. This is where it really comes down to, uh, in a world where everybody wants to make, in their heart of hearts, they want to make a real difference, and everybody is organized around rejecting or returning compliments or contribution of any kind, you can actually be one of the most generous people in the world by just graciously accepting a compliment. Bingo. And it's it's hard. It takes some effort, right? You've been trying this. Um, but now here's the story about, about standing ovations. Yes. I, I, uh, w one of my clients and now just 
dear, dear friends is a guy um, named Dave Carroll, who did United Breaks Guitars, which Google still says is one of the most oh, yeah. important viral videos of all time. Yeah, yeah. right? Wait, is he the guy? He's the guy. Uh, yeah. And he's oh. a good friend. And, <laughs> and you know, I think the reason that thing worked is because he's just so genuinely a good guy. And it's just obvious in everything that he's a good guy. And that's why that thing went so viral and hurt United Airlines so much yeah. and everything. Wow. Um, but they really screwed him over, man. Like they, they matched they did. the guitar. And so, so he did that, you know, but so he goes out and speaks now about the power of social media and the power of customer service and empowering frontline employees and all that kind of stuff. That's a really amazing way to launch a career. I just can't even. Yeah. Right. It's so funny. But anyway, so yeah. Great. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't knows. watched United Brakes Guitars, it's totally worth your time to go watch. It's that. like, you imagine, if they, imagine if they didn't break his guitar. That oh day. my God. Yeah. Like, right. So really good. They did in a way. <laughs> yeah. But so he was speaking at this event and he, and he called me up right after he goes, John, John, dude, it's working already. Like that stuff you taught me is awesome. Right. And I'm like, what happened? And he said, well, I, I just spoke at this big conference of, of travel agents and people in the travel industry. And at the end I did what you suggested, you know, because I tell people, you've just spoken for 45 minutes. And then what people do at the end of their speech is thank you very much and run off stage. Okay. But no, 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 no. You, they just listen to you for 45 minutes. You owe it to them to stand there for a couple of seconds and acknowledge that they're acknowledging you. Yeah. Let them give you a compliment and say, thank you. Right? So I said, you stand on stage when you're done, Dave, and you count to three, 1000 in your mind and smile and just let it in. And then you can walk off stage. So he did that. He said, I, you know, I ended and I said, thank you. And I looked out and I smiled and I counted to three, 1000. And when they noticed that I was paying attention to their applause People leaped to their feet and gave me this screaming, stamping, rousing, standing ovation, which is really good because the guy that brought me in talked his boss into paying me more than he usually pays speakers. So it was really good that I at least got a standing ovation. <laughs> yeah. But so like, you know, running off stage is like the equivalent of saying, shut up. Exactly. Nah, right. It, exactly. It, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think that's one of the best, most actionable. I mean, a lot of, of what you teach is actionable, but that's like one of my favorite pieces that's just instantly implementable with zero effort. Like, I I cannot wait to do that yeah. for my next speech. Yeah. Like, that's that's gonna be that's gonna be great. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. But, but John, I, I appreciate you. We went we went. We went pretty long today. I didn't expect to go this well, long. Yeah, I'm a talker. I hope I didn't talk. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, this is this has been great. I think I'm going to file this under uh, the best of category, Ooh. best of podcast. Yeah, I'd Ooh. love to be in that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I think that I ran the numbers. I think one out of five episodes make it in there. Cool. But let's see. Uh, yeah, John. Um, before I ask my final question, uh, you know, I just want to thank you for for coaching me through. The process for being coachable in the podcast world and uh you know allowing me to coach you and uh thanks for being a friend thanks for being there thanks for answering my text messages and oh oh gosh for for um you know not uh 
ditching me when when I get dramatic. dramatic. <laughs> when times are tough, huh? Uh. Hey, and shout out to Brian for hooking us up, huh? Ah, Brian. BP Brian yeah. Paris. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well, John. People can find you executivespeakingsuccess.com. I imagine the course is there, right? Yeah, you can find a link to it there. Yep. Great. And your amazing itty bitty guide to being Ted worthy. Uh, the podcast will be in the show notes for this episode. Click the search icon on jordanparis.com. Search John Bates. It'll be there. John's new podcast. You. Uh, John, my final question if you could teach a course at a university, a course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? It would absolutely be what I'm teaching now because the thing that I hear from people that I work with just about more often than anything is, I mean, especially when they're older, which a lot of them are, 40s, 50s, 60s, they're like, where were you when I was in college? Where were you when I was in business school? Like, I wish I would have known this for my whole career. This just changes everything. So I would love to go teach a course in the neurobiology of truly effective communication. And I would probably call it emotional credibility, <laughs> you know? Um, mm. But that's what I would love to teach at a college level. Cause I think it's just so practical and so useful. And yep. obviously from the bottom to the top of organizations, just not many people are aware of it that way. Yeah. Sign me up for that. You know, it's one of my favorite things to learn. Yeah. John Bates, you're the man. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. And thank you too. We've reached the end of this episode of Growth Mindset University. For more keys to success and methods to inspire your entrepreneurial spirit, head to jordanparis.com slash course and enroll in our free course to elevate your podcast to the next level. Be sure to pass the show along to someone you know who will benefit from the lessons learned in each episode, and we'll catch you and them on the next episode of Growth Mindset University.